God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 41, I'm going to take my allotted time to preach this morning. You say, well, how long is that? However long I need. Amen. Uh, this, is, this is one of those sermons that have a little more to it, and I've graced you with a lot of short sermons, so indulge me for a little more time this morning. Amen. Genesis 41. Um, and we're going to deal today with a very deep arena of the human experience and personality. Now, there are many powerful emotions that we have to deal with as human beings living in a fallen world. And uh, there is a common experience and emotion that has roots. Lost my place here. That has roots in the evolving of many other emotions. And this deals with the area of rejection. Now what I'm going to attempt to do in this sermon is bring to the surface this issue in people's lives. And the result will be that even perhaps some long-standing Christians are going to realize there are things, there are responses Approaches to life that are in you because of rejection that you've suffered. Now, some of the things that you're going to realize are not very harmful. But some you're going to realize are bondages. And that's what I'm after this morning. And this is going to apply across the board. Because rejection is a very powerful emotion. And rejection is a wound in the human spirit. And unresolved rejection will play out in a person their entire life. Okay, you need to understand that. So you can be well into life and far removed from whatever issues have happened, but if you've not resolved it, it is still playing out in you. And rejection is the emotion that then opens the door for things like resentment, bitterness, hatred, anger, bondages of fear, lack of confidence in life, depression, and all manner of things that you deal with emotionally because the basic need of life is to be accepted and loved and that is altered when the rejection enters the picture. So I want to uh, take you to just one little portion of Scripture in Genesis 41 and I want to preach on dealing with the deep roots of rejection. In Genesis 41, just three verses of Scripture, beginning in verse 50. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine, came whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Dealing with the deep roots of rejection. I want to first talk about rejection as a root problem. Now the fact of humanity is that we all require love. And one man that wrote the book, he's the author of Overcoming Rejection, Frank Hammond. He says, rejection is one of the worst, most neglected most common wounds. And this is true. In, in pastoring, you run into this as the root often. Someone said that love is to the human soul what sunshine is and water to a flower. 
So there's a, a magazine or some online thing. That it's called Scientific America. And I, and I want to lay a little foundation here because many it says many children who have not had ample physical and emotional attention are at higher risk for behavioral, emotion, emotional, and social problems as they grow up. Now, you, know, you need to lock into that because a lot of what they're throwing pills at today uh, are linked to what I'm talking about. And, and he goes on in this and says, These trends point to the lasting effect of early infancy environments and the changes that the brain undergoes during that period. Below the surface, some children from deprived surroundings, such as orphanages, have vastly different hormone levels than their parent-raised peers, even beyond the baby years. For instance, in Romania, in the 1980s, by ages 6 to 12, levels of the stress hormone cortisol were still much higher in children who had lived in orphanages for more than eight months than in those who were adopted at or before the age of four months. According to a study of the development of psychopathology, other work has shown that children who have experienced early deprivation also had different levels of oxytocin and uh, vasopressin, hormones that have been linked to emotion and social bonding. Despite Having had an average of three years in a family home, this environmental change into a home does not seem to have completely overridden all the effects of early neglect. So let me say this in in establishing the flow here. The devil has a strategy to capture a person's life at conception. Okay, this is is a strategy of hell. And, And I want you to think about this because... It's been pointed out, like, you take, for instance, fornication and adultery, sexual sin. That when it ends up conceiving a child, that fornication and adultery are no more than two people seeking to indulge their sexual appetites, not to conceive a child. But when the byproduct is a child, not only is that child conceived by illegitimate means which is rejection and a curse, which, by the way, can be broken. So I don't want you to have a panic attack on me. But it produces an unwanted pregnancy as a result of unrestrained lust. And this projects a spirit of rejection upon a child. Okay. So the devil seeks to infuse rejection wherever he can at the beginning stages of life. So let me suggest to you a man named Jephthah in the Bible. Now we pick up his story when he's already uh, into his teen and maybe early 20s. But the Bible makes it very clear that he was born as an affair with a harlot that his father had. So here is the seedbed of his life. The conception of his life is born in immorality, yeah? And therefore, this is already imposed on him, and this becomes more evident. It's what our, our brother, Pastor Jay, was preaching on, that there's something about that spirit, and his brothers churned on him and began to push him out until he was enveloped in a life in a bondage of crime. Now, what we're talking about has a very fragile element associated with it. Now, let me make a couple of observations and suggestions and these are not just hear me out 
In some cases, a baby conceived too soon after marriage. And what I mean by that is not that it's wrong to have a baby right away. It's totally your choice. But this is the point. If the baby was not planned and it's too soon, what you find oftentimes is the baby becomes an intrusion, especially when not planned, and this sows a spirit of rejection. A child that is conceived too close to the birth of a previous child, and many times that happens uh, not by planning. But this puts pressure on the mother, and now the child becomes a pressure and not a joy Therefore, the spirit of rejection is sown. A baby that causes financial strain and again, most likely an unplanned situation, then opens the door for the spirit of rejection. A baby conceived during a strange marriage, strained marriage or one that is in the process or the verge of divorce open to the spirit of rejection. A contemplated or attempted abortion. Parents that wanted a boy and got a girl or vice versa, if it's mishandled and allowed to sow disappointment, now opens the door for rejection. Let me give you an example. There was an evangelist and his wife. They were expecting their first child, and as they traveled from place to place, Several prophecies were given that the forthcoming child would be a son and grow up to be a mighty servant of the Lord. Some of these prophecies were given by prominent ministers. However, the child was a girl. The father of the little girl was so hurt and confused that he seriously rejected the baby. The mother fell into deep guilt, somehow blaming herself that she had failed her husband. The infant, and listen, this is, this is really insightful, sensing the rejection cried incessantly and refused to be held by the Father. What we're dealing with is a fragile element to it. Now, throughout life, the devil looks for opportunities to sow the spirit of rejection. Because this is a powerful one here. So think about our text. Here's Joseph. He's a teenager. The Bible makes it clear he's loved by his father, But this produces a jealousy in his brethren. The devil uses this to introduce very severe rejection into Joseph's life. Here's Hannah. She's exposed to severe rejection due to the circumstance of being barren. This is just a circumstance of life. But see, the devil looks for any opportunity to hijack and to sow this in. And I personally believe that he lies in wait looking for every opportunity in life to sow into people this experience because this one flips people out. Because it is the opposite of the basic premise of God's creation in our lives of love and acceptance. See, rejection results in so many different factors and there's no way that I could... There, there are things that I just recently realized, are, which is what prompted this whole sermon. I just recently realized... Are the spirit of rejection working in somebody? I always thought it was something else. But, but let me just name some things to get the, the, the mind flowing on some of the things that produce rejection. And by no means are they all lived out and played out the same and everyone is different. But a broken home and divorce. Verbal rejection by a parent or by peers. Unhealthy comparison to a sibling. 
childhood bullying. Words that people have spoken to you like you'll never amount, you're no good, you're stupid, you're ugly. Physical attributes that people make fun of. Abusive relationships. And and we certainly could go on. And even in your mind, you're voicing yours in your mind right now that I didn't voice saying, no, this, this leads to it too because it's there. So this is a root issue in many people's lives. The problem is it never gets resolved. That's where we want to go for this morning. So let me talk secondly about the offspring of rejection. Now, there's no way I'm going to touch on everything. This is way too deep. Too many tentacles. My attempt here is to get something going that the Holy Ghost can speak to you and and, and help you this morning to identify something that's creating dysfunction in your life, in your relationships, in your mental process. The offspring of rejection. Studies show that rejection goes far deeper than just emotional pain. That's certainly a part of it. But there is a psychological damage. It affects emotions, thinking, and behavior. Now, what I want you to do right here is I want you to start listening because I'm just going to throw things out there. And I want you to listen from this point on because either something that describes you or something the Holy Spirit will show you in your life that is a result of rejection being at work. And and I want everybody to listen because you're not, uh, just because you're older in life, you've been serving God a long time, you will be surprised. Again, I quote Frank Hammond, when a person has been wounded by rejection, then additional hurt causes them to create false Defense mechanisms. So this begins to play out into relationships in life. Certain things begin to happen and play out in people's lives when the spirit of rejection is at work. I'm going to share you a story, a personal story, just to kind of make a point that I I came to a conclusion about. So I have suffered all of my life from relatively serious allergies. Uh, Early on, especially as a kid... Mostly just hay fever type allergies, but they, they go a lot of different ways. Now, we've known for many years because Pastor Mitchell's taught us that allergies are linked primarily to rejection or the fear of rejection. I said that to somebody recently, and they were like, whoa, hold on a second. And they started putting some pieces together in their life. So, so you know, I'm serving God, moving on with life, and I've got these allergies, and I just learned to deal with it. I just learned to live with it. But there came a point, and it wasn't too far back, a few years back. And I'm just tired of this. I'm just tired of the, the, the whole season of it, and it just saps your energy. It's just everything associated with it, taking pills. And, just, it's, and so, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, if this is rejection and the spirit of rejection, I don't feel like that that identifies my life at this point in my life. And I tell you, God, right then, he spoke to me. He said, yeah, but that was your childhood. And you never dealt with it. You just tucked it away and went on and moved on. But that thing doesn't just go away because it's a spirit. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I got a hold of this and began to contend and press through. And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm allergy free two years and I've not had allergies. Because God showed me something. But the point I want to make out of that is that there are things that 
Maybe they don't identify you today. You wouldn't look at yourself, but, but they did, and you never dealt with it. That's what I want you to lock in your mind for a moment. Because the spirit of rejection has to be dealt with, because it's rooted in people's lives. There are things that begin to transpire and develop and become strongholds in people's lives. That in some cases, people will begin to develop an impenetrable fortress in your emotions and in your relationships and how you order your life to assure I will not be rejected again. But the problem with that is it's bondage because it's an unhealthy approach to life. And it, it, it's, it's too governing of what comes and goes into your life. It's a bondage. You need to see that. Girls become calloused in their emotions, which is so contrary to what God put in a woman. But this is what happens when the spirit of rejection is at work. There's a bondage that hijacks your ability to flourish in relationships, which we were made to be relational creatures. We tend to close off people you deem as a threat to hurt you. And, and this is a, an unhealthy approach and paranoia of life. Trust becomes a major issue with people that have been rejected. Some people create this perfectly controlled environment, perfectly ordered little world that you're in complete control of. If anybody infringes on how you've ordered the surrounding of your life, there's hell to pay. Many times, and this is the one that made me realize something as I observed this recently. Not always, but many times this is done to insulate yourself against rejection because you're in control. There's a famous group in the 70s and early 80s called the Carpenters. There's a brother and sister, Rich, Richard and Karen Carpenter. They had some 17 to 20 top hits. Karen was one of the most recognizable female singers of her day. But there was a major discrepancy between her public and her private self. Offstage, away from the spotlight, she felt desperately unloved by her mother. This was deep. This rejection drove her to anorexia, in which she never recovered and she died at the age of 32. I want you to think about that. Because the spirit of rejection that got a hold of this girl, didn't matter what fame she had, didn't matter how much people adored her, uh, this drove her. This was a torment to her soul. Now what we're talking about has very deep root in many lives and is the door of many struggles, bondages, and fears that people are experiencing in life. And this is what I want you to put the pieces together. Because if you put the pieces together today, in some cases, and this morning we're going to take dominion over the spirit of rejection. In some cases, it can break right away. In some cases, you're going to begin to fight that fight through until you get it. We're talking about relational ineptness in many cases. There are people late in life that are still plagued with some event of rejection in their life or some mistreatment or experience they've had. Uh, when I talk to my mother and I, I see her, and, and it's really a sad situation because I don't know what it is. She's never opened up, but I know that there's been some serious, serious rejection in her life. She's in her 70s, and this is living out just like it happened yesterday. 
There are people that are unable to work under someone with strong authority. And what happens is they'll quit job after job. And the reason and the root is their father abused the authority in the relationship with him. And so this is affecting them. We have Martha and Mary in the Bible. And I thought about this because really the issue was Martha was not recognized for her effort to accommodate Jesus. And yet her sister seemed to get all the attention. And to me, that's just a classic case and an open door for the spirit of rejection to to be at work. Perhaps Martha was driven to do things for recognition's sake. And there are people that way. And a lot of times it's because uh, you're trying to overcompensate for all the rejection you've been through in life. People like this experience major upheaval when they perceive the lack of recognition for their efforts. Not that we don't like to, you know, have some compliments. And it's good to compliment people and, and tell your kids they've done a good job. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the drive of our lives is such that everything we do, we're looking. And the minute something is remotely a criticism, it blows your world up. So I asked Pastor Jay, because he has amazing stories. I said, do you have any illustrations? Straight off of his email to mine. So just think of the English accent as I read this. That he, this is his story, all right? He's a great storyteller. So this kid in my church, early 20s, good-looking guy, lightly skinned, six foot three, 180 pounds, fashion model kind of guy. Great leadership abilities, a take-charge kind of guy, above-average intelligence. He's writing a book for me. So he's dating this girl in the church, cute, highly ambitious, super smart, A student of A students. In theory, they should be the perfect couple, but that's the surface level. Underneath, they're in chaos. He's a control freak. He's scared of losing her because she's both good-looking and smart. She's in law school. The best and most expensive in the Caribbean. Once she graduates and gets into the, the, the bar association, she'll be unstoppable. He knows this and thinks once she passes, she'll be way out of his league. He already thinks that now and so he does his best to control her. She can't even go anywhere without his say-so. Now this is just a dating. If, if he's doing that to you, run for your life. <laughs> or she. At first, I thought it was the other way around, that she controlled him. This was because she would say harsh things to him from time to time and would passively disobey him to realize later that this was her only means of fighting back. I first realized that he had security issues when she started the university in September and he immediately started doing a degree at a university in Manderville, but it was just out of the blue Something he couldn't even afford or have time to do. And so he dropped out in October. And after speaking to him about his motives, he admitted he was scared of losing her. Okay, so here's this stud muffin guy in in Pastor Jay's mind. He he could have any girl he wants. Here's the crux of it. He said that in high school, he was just a short, fat kid who was always being bullied and called names. People said he would never make it in life. His parents split up when he was a child. His father left the home and his mother moved to America. She hasn't been seen since. 
He is sent to live. He was sent to live with a preacher woman who he called Grandma. After her death, her family cursed him and 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 threw him out of the house. Now he's all grown up, but he still sees himself as a short, fat kid. He can get any girl he wants. He's smart. He's intelligent. He can he can even study if he puts his time and makes a sacrifice. But he, in his mind, is a short, fat kid, and as a result, he has to try to control everything to keep. It because he's afraid he's unworthy that he'll ever keep what he loves naturally. Now that is just one of many stories on how the spirit of rejection holds people captive long after the days of rejection have passed. In our text, Manasseh is born to Joseph. And in verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh for God has made me forget all my toil in my father's house. Now, while we don't have a testimony of how this rejection played out in Joseph's life, all we have is the beginning, a few in-between things, the next thing you know, he's the second to Pharaoh, right? But we would be foolish to think that this human being did not have some serious struggles. Well, I believe we do have an insight because we have this emotional confession in the naming of his child. This revealing phrase, God made me to forget all of my toil. And what he is saying in short is all the stuff he went through, all the rejection he experienced in life. And the Living Bible put this little side note to this made me forget. What he meant was that God had made up for all the anguish of his youth and the loss of his father's home. So what we do see is that there was an effect in this man's life. There was an offspring and even his other child, he says that God made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So so this was bearing down on this perfect figure in the Bible that we think just uh, was was God himself, but he wasn't. So there's a, a, uh, I know I drive the interpreters crazy when I do this, but I'm going to read something else. The serious side effects of small rejections. Listen to this little study. In a modern world, our hypersensitivity to rejection can have surprisingly destructive consequences. And let me just add to this, just because it's on top of my head. You know, kids that somehow you think you've failed your parents' expectations for you. It's a very deep uh, open door for rejection. So, So... Surprisingly destructive consequences when we're socially or romantically excluded, even in seemingly insignificant ways, it can lead to a host of negative psychological and physical side effects. That includes everything from lower scores on intelligence tests to a weakened immune system, increased aggression. This is explained by this man that wrote a book called The Lonely American Drifting Apart in the 21st Century. He says, the trigger for so much, he says, the whole experience of being left out is one of the basic driving forces of the human experience. Surprisingly, it doesn't take much of a rejection for those negative effects to start showing up. So listen to this little study. Psychologists at Florida State University and San Diego State have a group of college students. They gave them 15 minutes to socialize. Afterward, participants were asked individually who else they would like to work with on future projects. Those that answered, never, they never used their, what they answered. The participants were instead randomly assigned to be accepted or rejected by the group. They purposely did this. 
The accepted participants were told that they were the most desirable of the group. Where the rejected participants are informed that unfortunately the group just isn't that into you. The rejected participants knew, at least rationally, this didn't really matter. It's just a 15-minute experiment in a laboratory. Had no bearing on my future. But those who were rejected by peers were significantly more aggressive toward an innocent target in follow-up exercises. The socially excluded students also lost a fair amount of self-restraint after being rejected. In a follow-up experiment, participants, participants were given the news of their rejection with a big plate of chocolate chip cookies on the table. The most memorable participant was a young man who was assigned to the rejected category. He kept saying, I'm eating all these cookies and don't know why. Well, here you go. <laughs> the why is that social rejection causes you to lose self-control. This is very insightful. Other research has found that rejected individuals also became less social, are more likely to interpret neutral wounds and behaviors as signs of rejection, and score lower on intelligence tests, all from a simple 15-minute activity. So can you imagine people that have really been through stuff? And this pain was felt whether the rejection came from someone we want to like us, or someone we couldn't care less about. There really aren't any limits. Of course, it hurts more when someone we cared about rejects us, because it even hurts when people that we hate reject us. So this can all play out in very simple forms of response and approach to life. Let's just take a couple of simple things. You know, something as simple as being afraid to witness is often the spirit of rejection at work. You're so afraid that somebody rejecting you, you cannot bring yourself to that place. The inability to process criticism. The slightest criticism or lack of approval spins some people out emotionally. You're going to have to begin to consider the fact that maybe a spirit of rejection is attached to your life. Some will busy themselves to exhaustion, oftentimes motivated simply by approval from others because they never had it at some point in their life. Or people that can only talk about themselves and their accomplishments and when you're around them. And this was another insight that I got. And this sometimes I just ego maniacs. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but but, I, but somebody that I know very intimately, uh, not anybody here or in my family, so just stop calculating in your head, trying to figure it out. Uh, but but he's driving nuts because they'd always talk about themselves and their accomplishments. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, but I thought, but, but you know, I know them. I know their heart. To, and, and it dawned on me, you know what this is? It's a spirit of rejection. And this is an overcompensation for it. And all of this opens the door then to excessive jealousy and envy. And now you're in deep trouble if you go there. Talking about a very deep root that you must identify and push out of your life. So let me talk then about confronting and overcoming the spirit of rejection. So here in our text, God made me to forget. It's a powerful statement. This doesn't mean there was no memory of it because that's not possible. But this speaks of Joseph's ability 
to, and if you don't know the story, I'm assuming some of you are brand new. And uh, But the story of Joseph was he was a young, aspiring teenager. He had a dream from God. God had a destiny. His father loved him. He was kind of a favorite. His brothers were jealous of him. So they concocted an idea to take him out. They were initially going to kill him. They threw him in a pit. One pleaded with the other, don't kill him. So they sold him off uh, to this band of traveling gypsy type people. Uh, and off he goes, torn away from his home, ends up serving in a... Potiphar's house, the wife of Potiphar has the hots for him, he boos back on her, she frames him, says he tried to rape me, didn't happen, just thrown in jail. Okay, so this is the unfolding scenario. This is what he's been through for 13 years of his life. Okay? He says, God made me to forget. And what he's saying is Joseph's ability to allow God to help him overcome Those things, they no longer rule his life, emotions, and decisions. Here's the victory that we can gain over our dysfunctions due to this spirit of rejection. So let me throw out there two things that need to be at work. This is providing you recognize that perhaps there's a spirit of rejection working in your life. First, I want to read to you Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we must allow allow the power of the blood of Jesus and his suffering to have expression, to heal our lives and to set us free. Looking unto Jesus, the, the first thing you have to do in it all uh, is you have to turn to God. If, if you're here and you're not a Christian and, and your life's been a mess and you're identifying this, you're not going to fix it on your own. It's not going to happen. But let's take this further because Isaiah 53 speaks about Jesus in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and he hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Pick that up with the thought in Hebrews four fifteen and 16. For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. I think I'm reading this in the NIV. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet without sin, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this whole thing, Jesus was rejected. He was wounded in a very deep way, yet he overcame with the words of the cross, Father, forgive them. You're going to have to let go of some things And let God help you and heal you. This is the beginning basis right here. If you're not willing to do this, I have zero guarantees that you'll ever get free of this. Father, forgive them. Now, I'm not making light of anything anybody's been through here. Because I know there are people here, you've been through a lot of stuff. A lot of abuse. A lot of rejection. But listen... I don't think any of us can equal what Jesus went through. The rejection he suffered. Father, forgive them. That's how he was able to kick that thing out. Because God can make you forget. 
In some cases, you need to forgive because your deliverance and healing will not begin until you forgive. It's hard. I talk to people about this all the time and and you press them and you corner them and you bring them to that place. They'll finally say who it is and what it is. uh, But I'm not ready to forgive them. Well, then you're not ready to be free. You must stop defending certain of your actions and responses in life and see it as the spirit of rejection manifesting in you. So that's the first thing. Second thing is we all have a fundamental need to belong. In the world, this computes oftentimes in Joining gangs or staying in abusive relationships. Women that won't break an abusive relationship because they're afraid of being alone. And all manner of other things in order just to belong. Right? Because the most tormenting thing, you know, uh, for those of us that remember uh, Grizzly Adams, uh, you know, that's not real. You know, you can't live among the bears in the woods and, you know, you're going to turn into a freak. Crazy. We need people. When you get saved, you enter into the community of Christ, the church. And as imperfect as it is, why do I have to say that? Because immediately our minds go, yeah, the church, yeah, the people of the church, yeah. Oh, I'm going to be careful with my words. As imperfect as it is, it is God's group and place that we can now belong. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He has chose us before the foundation of the world. We should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Listen to this. Having predestined us to adoption as sons, By Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which we or he made us accepted in the beloved. Think about these two things here. Predestined to adoption. Full and complete acceptance by God into his family. You're not going to find anything like this anywhere else in your life. It doesn't matter if people may offend you here or think, listen, you will not find anything else like you'll find here and what God will do through belonging. You must belong to something. And God says, I've made my church for you to belong to and identify with and I have predestined your adoption. God says, I'm adopting you. I'm taking you and I'm going to treat you like kings and queens. And then he says, accepted in the beloved. NIV says the one he loves, the New Living Translation, us who belong to his dear son. We belong. In Ephesians 2.19, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Think about that. Some of you had no structure, a social structure. Uh, your, your home's a mess. Some of your testimony is you've bounced around from one home to another in all manner of craziness and you longed for. Uh, I remember at the boot camp a couple of years ago and you have this little uh, 
this little snot-nosed little church kid uh, that, that's taking for granted the fact he's got his parents uh, and they're in church and saved. And he thinks because they don't let him have an iPhone, there's the worst thing in the world. So you get this other kid that's been in and out of foster homes all their life. You get him eye to eye. You wish you would have his situation? I would die for his situation. I wish I had the stability. I wish I had the parents. But you know what? God makes that all possible in the church. All possible. Because you can belong. The Bible says in Psalm 68.6, God sets the solitary, that is the lonely, in families. You know what you entered into here? You entered into a family. When you allow the church to become your family, you're well on your way to overcoming the spirit of rejection. If you don't deal with the issues of rejection in your life and forgive and let go and seek God's will and placement for your life, you will not make the connection necessary in the church. There are levels of dysfunction that God will break in your life where the spirit of rejection is confronted. There's bitterness, resentment, hatred, anger, fear, lack of confidence, depression. So many relational and emotional bondages that are directly linked to this. And I declare to you this morning that God can set you free. That He can set your path where it belongs. I'm interacting with somebody through email right now. They're very far away. I connected with them when they were here and were going through a situation and they left unsaved and they recontacted, reconnected with me. And, uh, and the last words were, I'm just trying to work out all this pain in my life. I'm just trying to work out all this pain in my life. Well, you know what? We can work that out here today. And God can help you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads together. I know that these types of sermons are not comfortable for everyone, but they're necessary. Because this is one of the probably the leading things that people have been through in life. We can live in a mean, cruel world. This sin, the things that sin causes people to do to people is horrible. Just horrible. And you, you tell me, you know, what other hope is there outside of the church? More drugs, more alcohol, more abusive relationship, more sex outside of marriage. What, what answer is there? Psychologists? It's the church. It's forgiveness and then being able to turn around and forgive. It's amazing. It, it liberates your life. It'll set you free. This morning you're here and you're not right with God and you're... You're driven by what I'm talking about. You're identifying it. Your Things are coming to mind that you really would rather not think about. Or you've buried emotionally. Or you've buried them behind being a workaholic. Or you've buried them you know, just behind drugs and alcohol. But it's there. It's real. It's there. It hasn't been resolved. And it will not be without Jesus Christ. But this morning I have great news for you. God can do a miracle before you leave this place. 
And I want to ask you to do something for me. If you're here and you're not right with God, but you're ready to get right, you're ready for God to heal you, change you, forgive you. I want to ask you to do something so we can pray with you. I want you just to lift your hand up so I can see it. You know, that's me. That's where I'm at. That's where my life is. You know what? I'm so ready. Thank you. Who else? You can put that hand down. Who else? God's talking to you right now. What an opportunity. You looked here and there and you've been tormented and in and out. And and honestly, and you're honest. You don't like what's happening in your life. Why don't you give it to God today? Hold on to what? More torment? More bondage? You need to get right with God. Come to Jesus. Lift your hand so we can see. We want to pray with you. Who else? Thank you so much. Who else? I'm not right, but I'm ready to get right today. I'm so ready. I'm I'm ready for God to help me, to meet with me, to forgive me, to change me. Does that sound appealing to you? Lift your hand so we can pray with you. Just a simple prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. Just here to help you. Who else? God's dealing with you right now. I'm not right. Ready to get right today. Lift your hand. God's dealing with you. You can be backslidden. That's even a worse situation because you know the love of God. You know the truth of God. It's even more tormenting. But God's calling you back to himself. Lift your hand so we can pray with you. Who would that be? Thank you so much. Who else? God's dealing with you right now. Thank you so much. Who else? God's calling you to himself. This is your moment. This is your hour. God is waiting on you. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep living the same old life? Or are you going to surrender to Jesus and start belonging to something that matters? God is dealing with you. You'd lift your hand to signify that. Put it up so I can see it. Who would that be? Yes, thank you so much. Who else? Who else? This is deep, folks. I know it. This is deep. And I know I didn't even hardly touch. But the Holy Spirit is faithful. He's he's shown you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Others, anybody else? Thank you so much. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to put things behind me. Give things to God. I'm going to forgive. Who else? Thank you so much. Let me make this appeal a little bit closer to home for some of you. You can sit in church. You've had Christian parents, but it has not all been good. And you have real issues. It's time to forgive. If you've held on to that, willfully, you cannot be right with God. But you're ready to get that right today. Lift your hand up. God will help you. It's time to forgive. It's time to let go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Who else? Oh, God is moving. Look, respond under the sound of my voice. Because, yes, thank you so much. The Spirit of God is working right now. You're not going to feel this when you leave this building. You need to respond right now. All of those that lift, thank you so much. Thank you. All of those that lifted their hand, I'm going to have you just, I don't, there's too many to identify. Just stand to your feet and meet me at this altar. Just very quickly. I'm going to need quite a few workers. Just come, just come. Just begin to make your way to me. Make your way to me. God's going to help you. Come. Yeah, God's going to help you. Somebody walk with her, please. Thank you. Yeah, God's going to help you. Oh, thank you, Jesus.
healing at the altar. In a crowd this size, I have no doubt that some things have surfaced this morning. They're very uncomfortable. We have to face about ourselves and say, you know what? It's still there. I just tucked it away. I thought I'd moved on, but it really has caused me to be who I am and how I function and the way I treat people and the way I respond to things. And and you're recognizing, the Holy Spirit's caused you to recognize some things. There are bondages that are there. There, There's an inability for some of you socially to connect. There's, There's still some here you need to forgive. You need to let go of some stuff. It's fresh in you. Don't dig your heels in. You're the one that's going to suffer and pay in the end. God is speaking all across this place. Many, many different things. And we're going to open the altars. And I'm going to ask you to come. Make your way to this altar. And before we leave, we're going to pray this morning. And God is going to interact. God is going to bring breakthrough in some lives. There's going to be some deliverance at this altar today. Things that you've identified about yourself, but maybe you never understood it, but this morning the pieces have been put together. This sermon was born out of an observation I had of one of my family members. And trying to determine the drive behind how they, and and it just, I mean, it was like the Spirit of God just entered in and began to show me this whole issue as I put pieces together over time and the spirit of rejection that was behind but but you got to let it go it's time it's time you can't you know some of you are, are late in life you're 40s 50s 60s and and you're already past the midway point and you, you you haven't been liberated you haven't resolved the issue of your rejection it is time to resolve the issue of your rejection Wherever it came from, however it was enacted, even if it's more recent. Because if you haven't resolved it, I guarantee that it'll be ongoing. So before we pray corporately, you need to resolve in your own little personal prayer with God right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that is in you. We thank you, God, that you were despised and rejected. That you endured the shame of the cross. uh, But God, that you have the ability to enter into the equation of people's lives today. Lord, and we're pleading the blood of Jesus that will flow down and break the curse. Lord, today we're asking for a healing balm at this altar. Lord, a flow of your Holy Spirit that will minister hope and forgiveness and the love of God be shed abroad. Oh, God, we call upon your help, Lord. The power of the cross that would be a part of this service right now. Lord, that we belong to your church. We've been called, predestined to adoption. Accepted in the beloved, Lord. Let us not take that for granted. Oh, just soak it in. Let God help you this morning. Just soak it in. Things can be broken before you even stand and pray with me. Things can be resolved. Something can be set in motion. For some of you, 
You're going to feel an immediate dominion, but for some of you, you're going to have to press it through. Because it's a deep root that's really entangled in a lot of issues. But, but first things first, you've got to let go. If you hold on, none of this is going to help. You have to let go of things of the past. To let go of things people have done to you. You have to let God cause you to forget. And if you'll do that, this is going to be the beginning of a great day for you. It's going to set you free. In Jesus' name. I want you to stand right where you're at at the altar. Don't go back to your seat. We're going to pray. Every head is bowed. We're going to pray corporate prayer this morning. And this can't cover everything, but God knows. God knows if your issue wasn't touched on, well, there's too much to touch on everything. But whatever God showed you, you're going to put it in his hands right now. And you're going to begin to root this thing out of your life. You're going to root it out. And you're going to realize even as a parent, this is fragile. Oh, gosh, this is so fragile. The way that we go about the business of our children. I'm not talking about handling them with gloves, but I am saying carefulness you can't spend your time demeaning your child and blowing them up with all these words and expect that they're going to not deal with this what i'm talking about so i want you to pray with me oh god in heaven i thank you today for the provision of the cross i thank you for the blood that was shed And today I'm evoking that blood upon my life, my mind, my conscience. God, I choose today to forgive. God, I'm letting go. And I'm asking you, help me to forget. God, heal me from the afflictions of my past. I take dominion over the spirit of rejection. You foul and tormenting spirit, I curse you, I cast you out of my life. You have no more right, you have no more dominion. The blood of Jesus sets me free. Let's begin to worship God. Father, we thank you. God, break the yoke today in the name of Jesus. Break the yoke, O oh God. Set the captive free. Hallelujah. Oh, my God in heaven, we thank you and worship you. Lord, break the yoke. Oh, God, root out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, worthy and holy. He under Ramama Korebe Bekio Robose. He Kondibi Sibia Rababako. He Kialamando Roko. Thank you, Lord and Savior. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy. Hallelujah. Thank God. Amen. There's deliverance here. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go away and everything's going to be the happiest thing you ever, but there's deliverance here. Something's breaking, and, and you're going to fight this through. For some of you, it's just the eye-opening, and, and just that alone, you, you've... you've You're far enough down the road in your Christian walk that today's a day you resolve it and you're free. For others, there's still a lot of little tentacles. And you're going to have to work those through, but God's going to help you. You have to realize that. Don't let the devil lie to you anymore. Look, God's acceptance is powerful. Okay? It's powerful. He breaks yokes, and that's what we're believing God from this day forward. Go in the victory. Read the Bible. It'll encourage you. It'll keep you. It'll show you how God thinks about you. And if you're struggling, find somebody spiritual and talk to them. Man, I'm struggling right now. I just need to talk and get it out. And let's see God help you and cause you to flourish. Remember, you belong. Okay? This is a family. This is a family. That means something. It doesn't matter how big this church gets. It will always be a family. You need to lock into that. Amen. We're going to dismiss thanking God. Come tonight. Let's be in the house of God. Let's be with the family of God. Amen. We're going to see what God will do for us. Uh, Our heads are bowed. We're dismissing. You rejoice with one another. Brother Caleb Melendez will dismiss us today.